Welcome to Conversations with My Teachers. In this podcast, I interview people who have served as mentors in my life. These thinkers, feelers, artists, healers, and teachers have helped shape my current worldview. And now feels like a good time to circle back to them in order to thank them, to engage in conversation, and to share some of their gifts with you. In this inaugural episode, I talk with my good friend Andy Cahill. Our relationship is a co-learning experience that has had a major impact on the way that I view the world. Andy sees life as an adventure. He's a champion of holistic healing and creative thinking, and I believe that he is actively helping make the world a better place through his work as a human development coach. So let's check out the conversation. And we are live. (laughs) So for today's inaugural episode of Conversations with My Teachers, I want to welcome my good friend, one of my closest friends, Anderson, Andy Cahill. Andy is a singer-songwriter, a sci-fi author, a podcast host, yoga, meditation, slacklining teacher, a father of two, husband to a wonderful, beautiful human named Erica, and um, and a life coach. Although he refers to it as human development coaching. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the two of us have had intersecting paths um, ever since. I don't know, two thousand six, two thousand five, maybe when we first met. Um but we established a friendship in 2010. Something like that. It all, it all blurs together for me, but yeah, it's like, it's been around a decade. Something or, yeah, a decade. And, um, you know, it's been a strong decade. (laughs) I would say, I would say, uh, you are extremely unique in my life in that regards, like, to develop such a strong friendship within the last 10 years of my life. Um, you know, there's, there's a couple of examples of very strong friendships, but for us, it's been like, you know, you, you would probably embody like the, the quintessential kind of like adult intentional relationship. Mm. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. someone that, that I consider a brother, um, and we both have kind of done this really cool dance of uh, leading each other in ways and looking looking to each other for support. And uh, yeah, it's just been amazing. And actually, that's that's a big part of why I wanted to have you on as my first guest for this yeah. series. Um, there's there's so many things that I want to get to today. Um, I guess maybe I'll start with the things that 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 you've taught me. So um, the first thing that you really taught me was the power of education and the inner guru. So uh, Mm. when you approached me uh, to study music lessons, to take music lessons, songwriting lessons, all this uh, kind of musical creativity, that was all you, basically. You came up with 
with a concept of how to study that best met your uh, your timeline and your ability, and you know, you basically met yourself, mm. you know, by seeking me out to work with you. And I thought it was really fun because you you were showing enthusiasm towards me as a musician. I think for for the deeper parts of my musicality. So I, I felt really seen. And then we were able to uh, work together for three years. And, uh, and basically you unlocked your own songwriting ability during those three years in a really beautiful way. Um, and so I got to watch that beautiful growth happen. <laughs> and that, helped me solidify like oh this is the type of music teaching that i want to be doing oh yeah and uh our conversations and our meditations you know and all the exploration really helped to kind of bring together uh music study and yoga study and all of the life study stuff so it really supported me in in uh developing my holistic thinking so that would be kind of the second thing i guess is the 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 support for the holistic thinking um, but, but in terms of the real power of education and the inner guru that I, when I think of that idea, I think of you, you know, because you've been a champion of education, um, and educating oneself, uh, more than anybody in my life. That's one of the, one of the major things that, uh, that I find in you, um, which I think is also related to this, this quality that I'd like to get into with you as well. So I have a lot of questions, but the, the quality that I'm, I'm noticing more than anything is this, uh, you know, balance between humbleness and confidence. Hmm. And so I've seen you work on that, but I've also seen you just kind of have that balance, you know, hmm. more than, more than most people. And I think that that's related to uh, this idea of self-education, like having the strength to say, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to learn. But then also the humbleness to, to admit to yourself that, that there's growth to be had or experienced. So I'd love to kind of ask you, maybe start with that. Mm -hmm. You know, where did that where did that start for you? Or uh, do you see that in yourself? You know, how has that shifted over the last 10 years? You know, just, just talk about, about that. Mm. Yeah, man. Well, first I have to say that our friendship, which you spoke to came at such a critical moment in my life. And I think this connects to the humble confidence sort of, yin yang energy that you're tuning into in a way and so i'll see if i can connect the two i sense that they connect but i was at a place where you know i was a philosophy major in undergrad so i've always loved learning about the deeper layers of existence it just is it's just something and i grew up on like fantasy and sci-fi novels and it just for me to not be curious about reality is a huge missed opportunity uh, to be alive. Like for me, it enlivens me. It just really fills my mind and heart when I'm 
not taking life at face value and just kind of following what other people say is what, what it is, but actually really getting curious. And so that was like, that was a really important time in my life in college. Cause I was in this environment that really encouraged me to go deeper and deeper into these questions of existence. And I had this amazing professor who like was a sort of provocateur and a trickster and, you know, was, was, wasn't always well liked by the other professors, but that was part of what made him awesome. And he just was like, really, he saw the energy in me and like, just kept pushing me and encouraging me. So that was like one of my first exposures to a truly great teacher was in college. And, uh, and he, like his, just his headline was like, question everything. That was basically the headline was just question. And when you think you've questioned everything, question that. (laughs) (laughs) So I like just, he just took an innate natural curiosity I had and just like, just like really turned the dial up to 10, Mm -hmm. which I loved. But then I kind of like, so then I was like, got into work and blah, 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 fast forward. And I was, and, and what I hadn't paid close enough attention to is that I was just sort of letting other people define what I should be doing within a spectrum. Like I was, I saw, I was like, I'm not going to get like a corporate sales job. I knew that wasn't for me. I, I did AmeriCorps with awesome. And, 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 but then I like was basically the, the headline is I ended up in a job where I was basically a guy who went to eat, went to meetings and sent emails. And, and somehow I looked around and I got, I was like, Holy shit. How did I get so divest, like divorced from that energy that, that sustained me. And, and I just started to have, without, a cl- without clarity, I started to have a longing for a reintegration or a reorientation. And then my dad booked a trip to China for work and he said, you should come with me. And then I said, I will. And my buddy Todd's over, this guy I kind of sort of knows, who's a really talented musician, is over in China. And then my dad's work trip got canceled, but I already had my visa and my plane ticket. And I was like, hey, Todd, can I come stay with you? And you're like, yeah. And I was like, cool. <laughs> so he just like showed up and there's so much I could say about that journey. But the thing I felt most was watching you and the other musicians play. You're there performing as like six nights a week as part of a band in a super swanky hotel. And you guys were killing it every night. And, and I was just like, fuck, like, I love music. I love music so much. And I might not ever be a musician like any of these cats up here. But I just, I, there's something there that I've been ignoring or I've been resisting or I've been afraid of. There's some belief I have and I, and I don't quite know what it is yet, but I need to, I need to like lean in. And so after we both got back from China, I, we like met up at Life Alive in Cambridge when we could still meet up in three dimensions and hang out in a cafe. And, and I just said like, I have this idea, man, I want to study with you. And, and so the humble hot, like the humble confidence thing wasn't, uh, for me, it was just like the pain of not listening to the part of me that wanted to express creatively through music because I thought I wasn't talented or I thought I, or I thought I wasn't good enough, or I thought I had to be a certain kind of musician. Like there was a lot of that stuff I had unconsciously accrued. The pain of that was stronger than the, like, let me just accept status quo. Yeah. And so I think that's a really important thing that happens to some people as we reach a place where the, the story we've told ourselves about who we are isn't working anymore. And it yeah. becomes so uncomfortable that we have to lean in. And, and you were just like, to me, you were like this beacon of light of like, 
I'm doing my thing. And I, and I think that was, I was on two levels. It was like one, you were doing your thing musically, but two, you were just doing your thing. And I, and, and I saw in you a teacher actually. Mm-hmm. And so it's really cool to hear that my instinct led us into a relationship that actually also helped you articulate your approach to teaching much more deeply. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's like a beautiful thing. But, but the, like the humble confidence energy that you're tuning into, it just, it just, I think probably that our relationship helped solidify that too, because it was sort of like, I had at some point to believe that I, I had to believe I could do it to, to be willing to invest the time, money, and energy, even though I knew I couldn't do it at the moment. So the, so the confidence was like, there's a future state where I'm doing things that I can't do right now. Mm. And the humility is the only way I'm going to get to that future state is not by pretending I know it all and not by pretending I have all the answers, but by, by finding the right teacher and just really listening and really learning and really accepting that, like, I'm going to make more, more mistakes than I am going to make beautiful harmony. But when the beautiful harmony comes, I'll know it. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, the, the, uh, I'm glad that you started that all with the, with your, uh, experience in your youth with sci-fi and you know the curiosity element because i i feel like well that was the thing that you were basically remembering yes you know and longing for when you made that decision to to go on the adventure and then to adventure into music further um and so that remembering of your of the innate quality i think it's that that curiosity i could say is even more of something that i've learned from you like there's no question that if if uh you know if you're if andy cahill is observing something in this present moment there is there is a curiosity that is that is working you know that is really uh it's valuable i think i think inherently valuable to the world um, is that sense of curiosity that, that you hold. So it's fun to kind of think about distilling it down. Like what's the, what's the, at the heart of it. And I think that's the thing is that curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. The, like just the relentless curiosity about what's true or about what's really going on. Yeah. And, um, but I want to say, I actually want to say you use the word remember, and that feels like a really important word because um, I think that we live in a world that both, both by accident and on purpose, depending on who you are in the context, and, and I'm, I'm going to use this both metaphorically and literally because it really like we can see evidence of both in our history, but we live in a world that, that dismembers us, that, that literally tries to pull us apart and and reconfigure us into a form that is productive based on the kind of gestalt of collective like this is what we think a good citizen is or a good employee is or a good student is or a good whatever and the further you are outside whatever that kind of emergent mold is the more that society dismembers you and, and, and we can really go all the way to the end of that logic and see that there are some people who are literally killed by the cultures we've created because they're too far outside what's acceptable. Mm. 
and and the power of remembering ourselves for those of us who have the, the sort of privilege to not be like literally physically at threat of death, you know, yeah. above and beyond just what it is to be a mortal being in a, in a massive universe that has all sorts of ways to, 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 to sort of be dangerous. It's like, actually, there's another side of that. There's a beautiful, abundant universe that we can all have access to. And when we remember ourselves, when we put ourselves back together and harmonize all the parts of ourselves. That's something like that's I didn't have the language for that when you and I started, but I have the language for that now. And that's the work that I do with people is helping them remember themselves, helping them literally put themselves back together in a a way that lets their innate gifts and strengths and powers come out. And that's just like when that happens, when I see people do that, it's so it's inspiring, right? Like as a teacher, you see students who inspire you and teach you. I think that's kind of why we're talking today, right? Because I was your student. It's almost midnight. Time for us to go. The wheel that turns tonight can heal the wounds you hide. Come stand beneath and celebrate this So the curiosity piece is a part of that, right? Like all of us can be more curious. It's a sort of, it's a root capacity. It's actually a survival capacity. Like we come into the world forced to learn at speed. Mm. And, and, and that curiosity early on is the, is the, is the make or break thing, you know? And wow. And so then as we get older, we start pruning, we start saying, okay, this is what I think is true. This is what I think isn't true. All like just happening at lightning speed. And so, so the curiosity gets narrower and narrower until we get to a place where like, okay, I think I'm, I'm going to survive now or whatever it is, but actually we can, at any point we can open up that aperture again. Yeah. Yeah. At any point we can widen that aperture as much as we want and discover that most of everything in our lives was made up by somebody else and everything that wasn't was made up by billions of years of evolution and that's got a lot to teach us about how life really works yeah 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 man wow oh there's so many different things like this is this is what i'm talking about this is why i wanted to do this this series like this is what i need so thank you (laughs) yeah man it's why i started my podcast it's like like, what a great excuse to have to have the conversation you want to have with the person you want to have it with you know and rather than just saying hey let's meet for tea it's like hey let's Let's jam and press record and see what happens. Right, right. Well, so, so you know, given that we have a, a limited amount of time, right, I've, I'm thinking I'd like to uh, get a little bit deeper into some, some, I guess, present moment things. So I have a few questions for you, but the, I think I want to jump to this one. Um, you know, one, one of the things that I notice 
that I've consistently noticed about you and through our relationship is that you're not afraid to disagree and you're not looking for disagreement. So, you know, there's, there's plenty of people that, that play devil's advocate or, you know, that really do that kind of, uh, I can't think of the word for it when you're, you know, it's like provoke. Yeah. Provoke disagreement or, or like, yeah. Um, poke the hornet's nest. Oh, I can't think of it. Anyway, you're not that, but you do, <laughs> you are definitely like present and honest with yourself and with the people that you're with. Right. So, mm. so I really value that. And I feel like, you know, part of this, part of this series is to, is to do my best at helping the world. And so this really does feel like an important action to bring in my favorite people my you know my teachers the people that um that i feel like have have things to directly offer the world right now you know the lessons that that you have to offer so so i want to just ask you straight up how and i wrote this question down earlier how do we <laughs> best face the current challenge of division in our country and world Oh what what say you? Oh my God, man. Mm. I mean, like, I feel really humbled and honored that you think I'm someone worthy of answering that question. Not to put you on the spot. No, but... no, I have, but I have an emerging theory. So there are two sort of wells I'm drawing from, from this theory. One is the work of this guy named Arnie Mandel, who who has developed a whole, he's a Jungian psychotherapist and he and his, his partner and his colleagues have developed a body of work called world work, which okay. is a essentially conflict. It's all about going towards conflict. Mm -hmm. And there's another body of work that I've been studying really deeply called internal family systems, oh, right. mm -hmm. which is a part of the, like the remembering stuff I was talking about earlier. It basically posits that all of us are actually not unitary, but that we're multiple, that we are made up of many parts and you can really just like look at our physiology for evidence of that, right? Like we have a brain and a heart and a gut. And those are three, like those are the three densest neural centers in our body. And now some scientists go so far as to talk about the heart brain and the gut brain as actual parts of our, uh, parts of our anatomy, but also parts of our psyche. Yeah. And so, so, so this, so there's this way in which when those parts are not in harmony, you get sick. Right. If you're like always living above the neck and you're not taking, if you're not, you're putting junk in your belly or you're not exercising and taking, like, we just really stay with a physical. We don't have to get woo woo here. Like, although I love getting woo woo, like just stay with a physical. If our body's not in harmony, we get sick. Right. right. And, and an interesting thing in nature that seems to be true is that the sicker we get, the harder it can get, the harder it can be to heal because things start to get really polarized and things get out of balance. And so when we look around like, like America, at least like talk about a case study and, and fucking polarization. I mean, it just is like, it's like we have parts of our society that, that are, are might be analog to like the gut instinct or the heart or the intellectual strategy. Like there's, and, and we're getting further and further apart from each other. Okay. And the further away we get from each other, the more we demonize each other. Yep. Yep. And so, so, so like in the work of, of internal family systems, it's about bringing the inner self into harmony. And in the work of world work, it's about bringing our outer selves into harmony. And the way we do that 
is to allow space for the anger and for the hurt to honor it, not to trivialize it, but then allow us to unburden it, to like make the choice to give the anger up to something greater. And the only way we can do that is to be in touch with it. If we try and repress it, if we try and push it away, if we try and demonize it, it just gets worse. And so I think that pattern and very natural human response to push away things that are scary and painful is the very response that makes those things more scary and painful. So, so what I would love for us, and it's going to require somebody to take the higher road. What I would love for us is like, how do we, like, we don't need a new commander in chief. We need a new healer in chief. We need someone who, if I was in Joe Biden's chair, which thank the gods, I'm not, I would like hire the, I would get Bernie, I'd get Elizabeth, I'd get, I'd get everyone. And then, and then a bunch more from across all the aisles and say, your job for the next four years is to just go out and I'm going to do it too. We're just going to go out and listen to the American people. And we're going to take all the shit they throw at us. We're going to listen. We're going to learn. We're going to connect and we're not going to demonize. And I believe that the, that there will be, there's always some group of people who are never, who are always going to be like, no matter what you do, you're the enemy. Maybe that's true, but most people just go in the direction of their neighbor. And so if we could just create a new kind of neighborhood in our country, one in which it's not defined by just geography or just, just background, but really defined by humanity that feels to me like the journey we have to go on. And it's a big one. It's a huge undertaking. I'm not sure if we have the will to do it. I don't, I think a lot of people really truly believe that every single person who voted for Trump is, uh, is evil or an idiot or whatever. And I just, a part of me sometimes believes that too, but I just don't want to, I just know it's not true. Yeah. And so I just like, how do we find, how do we just step into that mess and say, we're all humans and we made this mess together. Do we want to clean it up or do we want to make it worse? That's our choice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's beautiful. I, the, um, I, I, I want to uh, toss something your way in reference to the polarization concept. So that all, that all is in essence, what I've been, thinking myself. And, and also, um, I was reading this incredible book called This is an Uprising. I probably mentioned it at some point, but... Uh, no, I haven't heard, heard about it. The, it basically charts out mass mobilization and, you know, basically all of the different, the different strategies for, uh, for making social change. And there's a whole section in the book about polarization, Mm, I want to read this. Yeah. The, so on one extreme, you've got polarization. Well, so, so the genius of the way that this book is written is that it's, uh, it really examines things from a lot of different angles. So they'll take the idea of polarization and they'll, they'll just examine it for, you know, multiple chapters and they'll keep coming, coming back to the similar themes and they, you know, they, they, reference people like MLK and, and Gandhi, but then also talk about like the environmentalist movement in the 90s, uh, where, you know, some of the extremists in the environmentalist movement were putting uh, metal rods into trees to keep them from 
being cut down. And, and the idea was that this is, you know, disruption to the process itself and it would break the equipment. But at one point it almost killed this guy, like, you know, the, the, the saw or whatever, you know, turned around and like nearly beat, beheaded him, you know, uh, and so then the polarization became a thing that actually demonized the environmentalists. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, the big question that we were left with, well, so polarization is good in, in the case of MLK's efforts um, because when everyone was crossing the bridge and then they all got like beat up and, and attacked by dogs and stuff, you know, that was shown on TV to the American people. And then there was like this line drawn in the, the sand. So uh, you were either in support of what they were doing or you were a racist, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. so th that extreme kind of line in the sand, that type of polarization, uh, at least by the author, is viewed as a, as a positive form of polarization because it, it brought the 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 issues up to the surface and so we've been seeing this i think play out um since may uh with the black lives matter protests and you know it's fascinating to watch how the how the media uh portrays this whole process and how the different sides of the argument you know they will basically get more and more more polarized to the point where you know one group is saying that the black lives matter movement is a bunch of terrorists <laughs> and then you know and then you got the other side which which would be i guess i'm part of that other side that feels like you know i black lives matter is one of the few organizations that i donate to monthly um and i believe in supporting um uh, equity and uh, increased leadership for people of color and, and specifically uh, women of, of color. Um, mm. Mm. Though I am also not interested in um, identity politics as well. Mm. So yeah. there's all of these things that are swimming and, you know, this idea of polarization, I'm, I'm curious to know what you think about this. You know, does, does that um, resonate with you in any way it's a really it's such a powerful question i'd love to read that book there's a lot that's coming through for me one i just want to share the title of Ar arnie mandel's book which is sitting in the fire sitting in and the fire so, yeah yeah so i think like we all collectively need that actually every time you see someone spout off somewhere and and demonize the other there it, it's sort of a form of comfort seeking it's sort of a form of safety seeking it's a way to articulate who you are by who you're not mm -hmm. and by having a, a real strong polar opposite that that in your mind represents who you're not that's like what Carl Jung called called the like projection as a shadow like we, we project who we don't want to be on other. Mm. And so you have that, like, you can see how that's like, just becomes this crazy feedback loop. And so, so, so like, how do we bring both of those extremes to sit in the fire with each other? Isn't it? It's a really interesting question. Yeah. I think, I think some people might just be so far in the extreme that they'll never come and sit in the fire together. 
but I think the line in the sand you're talking about, I mean, what MLK embodied was like loving presence. Mm. And it wasn't like a naive, you know, it wasn't like, um, you can do whatever you want to me, but it was, it was, it was peaceful and loving. And I read somewhere that in every mass social movement, it only takes 3.5% of a population, whatever that population is, to nonviolently resist for social change to happen. Yeah, that's powerful. So so like that was like walking across that bridge and taking those hits. They were taking those hits for every single American, whether we'd own it or not. Yeah. Wow. You know, and that's, that's a kind of fierce love that 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 supersedes a lot of people who are like maybe not on the extreme extreme end of the polarity but like they're over here right now and they're like holy shit that's more powerful i gotta look myself in the mirror and that love and that and that sacrifice is more powerful than just the noise of like that's the enemy no that's the enemy then that's that's the right 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 so it's a lot it's a lot to ask man we don't we grew up in a society that doesn't really reward intimacy it doesn't really reward uh, us sitting in those fires it rewards us taking extreme stances it rewards us being right it rewards us winning yeah um a, an idea that i've been playing with a lot that i've been psyched about which a, a friend of ours in our, our men's group francis Breyers, introduced mm. me to or at least brought it back into my awareness is the idea of infinite versus finite games James James Kars came up with this. And basically the idea is that a finite game is really fun and there's winners and losers and they're great to have. And it works when the constraints are clear. But when we start to apply finite game rules, winner and loser rules to the infinite game of, of evolution and life and humanity, then we actually start to destroy each other. And what we really need yeah. to be doing is playing the infinite game, which is everyone wins. We, the, the point of the infinite game is to keep the game going. And the game here is the survival of humanity on planet earth. Like to me, that's the game. Yeah. So yeah. I want like, that's the side I want to play in is the people who are like, yeah, black lives matter. Yes. We have to say that. And, and all lives matter. Yeah. And that's why we have to say black lives matter. Like, yeah. Like just wherever someone's saying there's a polarity, it's either this or that. I, I want to find the people who are saying, no, it's it's actually both and there's a bigger tent. Right. And and that might mean there's still work to do in subgroups and whatever, but like ultimately the tent is big enough for the voices that actually think they're arguing with each other. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, that also makes me think of the the chakras. You know, we talked a little bit about the chakras last time we were uh, doing the Wonder Dome episode and, um, you know, survival would be step one, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, if we were to, to kind of progress through, through the, the phases of the, at least of the chakra system, like we, we have a whole lot to do, not just mm -hmm. to survive, but thrive, right. Uh, find purpose, find love, um, share those teachings, develop, you know, foresight and uh, true vision, and then maybe, maybe to experience enlightenment too. Yeah. So. I mean, man, we are remarkable, remarkably strange and beautiful creatures. 
Mm-hmm. And, and, and for us to stop at survival, it's just a huge missed opportunity to experience the full range of, of existence in the universe. Yeah. I mean, the, we have no idea that the, the states of consciousness, for instance, the experiential ways in which we can be, be human, right? And what it is to be human, the things we can experience ranging from like pure bliss to pure terror and agony and everything in between. Most of us are just kind of like somewhere in the middle, vaguely uneasy, but you know, fed and clothed. And it's like, and it's like, we cling to that because at least we're fed and clothed, but that vague unease just perpetuates and perpetuates. And it's like, I, I want, like for me personally, my mission is to just expand that range as much as I can to mm-hmm. be with the beauty and mystery of life and also the tragedy of life and to realize that we can actually hold it all Mm. that actually we're capable of holding it all and holding each other Mm. in it So then I want to transition to, to take all of this into account and then to reflect on the work that you've been doing. So um, you would say that the human development, human development coaching is the thing that means the most to you. You would say that, right? That that is, that is kind of the, the, the most important aspect of your professional life right now. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And I like that you're tuning in, like I'm in the process of, of how I talk about it. Right. And I think like the this I'll sort of restate in short in a shorter way what I just sort of said a minute or two ago, which is that like, I've come to realize or I've come to claim or remember that my mission or purpose in life is to help people engage with the beauty, mystery, tragedy, and complexity of existence and, and all of its fullness. Yeah. And, and I've done that for myself through songwriting, through, through writing my own stories, through reading other people's stories, through traveling around the world, through studying with great teachers like you. And it's just so fucking fun and meaningful. It's not always easy, but it's just like, so it's so much better than just the, like, let me just stay in the vague unease, but at least I'm safe way of living that, um, you know, I have a part of me that just wants that too, but just 
when I can step into that, that mystery and beauty and wonder and complexity and tragedy, all of it, when I can help myself step into it and help others do the same, um, that really, that really integrates, it integrates the creative work, yeah. it integrates the learning work, it integrates the teaching work, it integrates my, my philosophy studies, it integrates, like it just all comes together when I get to sit down across from another human being and get super curious about how they view reality. And as best as I'm able without judgment and attachment which is not always easy to just help them deepen or expand that view of reality to see yeah. things they've never seen before. That just feels like my work. And the fact that there's a profession called coaching, which of course took its word from, from sports, but is actually like, I think that I have a, I have a, a, a colleague who calls her work life and death coaching. And I'm like, oh, cool. fuck yeah. I like that. You know, it's just like, it's just like, it's just that, that multi-dimensionality. Yep. And, and helping people engage with that multidimensionality, the, the prism of life and all of, all of its facets that like really lights me up. And, yeah, man. and, and if I get to get, and I get paid to do it sometimes. So like even better. <laughs> yeah. Well, you did, you did uh, great work with me as one of your first, you know, kind of beta testing students yeah. Um, yeah. and definitely left a, a huge impression kind of in my soul um, and I'm continually facing the things that, that we face together. Um, but I think with, with a lot of joy, you know, more, more so than anything. So I, I thank you for that. Oh, that's awesome, also, man. I, I want to ask you, um, you know, so now you've been doing this for some time. You've also been doing the podcast for some time and those two things, you know, have connection, but the, the, I'd say if, if you could kind of zoom out and think of the unexpected benefits that have come to you from now doing 31 episodes of the podcast, you know, uh, and working with, I don't know how many clients you've worked with now. I haven't counted, but... Um... Yeah, dozens and dozens and dozens and, and hundreds and hundreds of hours of just one-on-one -on -one time with lots of people. Yeah, I mean, we could talk about the, the podcast as its own separate thing, but I, because we're you know low on time, I'm just thinking of also this kind of connectedness and holistic approach. You know, zooming out, that that is part of this big project that you've really jumped into. Yeah, totally. Actually, like when I realized the part of the reason why I realized I was going to do the podcast is because basically if coaching is like this, you know, my right hand, then podcasting like my left hand, it's like they don't line up perfectly, but they're pretty damn close. There's a lot of overlap. Yeah. And, and so the fact that I could kind of keep doing what I love in a slightly different context, and this one's a public facing there's a record button but but beyond that like i'm trying my best to invite my guests into that space of intimacy and connection and discovery and curiosity like to me it was just like a layup it just felt like oh yeah these are just different these are two very close facets on the prism that uh, that i'm working on here yeah man so so what what with within this whole thing like what 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 have you learned if you can if you can think of some of the the most potent 
lessons that you've learned through? Oh man, uh, that's a cool question. Yeah. Let me sit with that for a minute. I mean, one thing I've learned is if we could just, and this is really speaking from my own personal experience, the more that we can open ourselves up to other people, how can I put this? Like, I think for a long time, I had a fear that if I gave too much of myself or showed too much of my true self to others, that I will, that they could take something from me or that I would lose something or that they could reject me or that I would get hurt. And I suppose those are all possibilities, but, but I've just inadvertently discovered by that really leaning in and by really opening myself to others and by inviting them to open themselves to me, what emerges is actually a, a super deep vein of resilience and purpose and creativity just this is real understanding that we create each other mm. every time we show up i had this great interview with this amazing thinker serini Pillay, is one of my recent episodes and he really articulated this in a very clear way like you are you are inside of me right now as a an experience i'm mm. i'm seeing i'm seeing the screen that you're on but i'm also seeing you and i'm experiencing you everything you're saying is like is happening inside of me, hmm. right? Even as you're over there being you, you're also here in me. And I'm also over there, you're experiencing me inside of you right now. Hmm. And the way we listen to each other and the way we ask questions of each other, the way we receive each other, embrace each other, or, you know, push each other away, disagree with each other, all of it is, is deeply interconnected. And we have for whatever reason, I don't know if it's biology or so sociology or culture or what, we live in a world that, that leads us to believe that we're separate. Mm. But actually, we're not separate. Mm -hmm. We're just not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's an interconnectedness that is uh, that if you look close enough, it's just everywhere. Mm. And so that's like the biggest lesson I'm learning. It's a super humbling one. It's like, I think there was a version way back when, when I wanted to get into music, there's a part of me that's like, and I'll be able to be on the stage and, and, you know, play my songs for people and, and they'll love me more. They'll all just love me more. Won't that be, you know, it's like, we all just want to be loved more, but actually like when I, when my songs really started to take flight is when I realized that I just had to speak a truth that was coming through me and try and as best I can capture it and then give it away that as soon as I played it for someone else, they, it was inside of them. Hmm. And that's just that like gift of giving ourselves to each other hmm. is something I'm learning a lot about these days. I hope whoever this reaches that they receive it as an invitation to go deeper into their own curiosities and to go deeper into the own places that they, that they're a bit afraid of that scare them and just, uh, embrace all the parts that have been dismembered and start to remember themselves. That's what I really hope for. Well, thank you for, for being my inaugural guest and for sharing all that. This is a, a strong and potent flagship episode. <laughs> thank you. Ian. I love that you're doing this. Yeah. I, uh, 
I can't wait to see what emerges. I've been loving seeing what you're doing on Patreon, man. I listened to your song Sanctuary this morning and it brought me to tears. And, and uh, I just, you've, you got it. Like, just like everyone, when you're at your best, everyone benefits. And it's like, if we're, imagine if we were all at our best, Yeah, yeah. we were all expressing at the depth that we're capable of. And could hold steady with all the grief and the pain, but also all the love and the joy. Just imagine what kind of world we'd be in. Yeah. And your music does that. It helps take me to that kind of place, man. So I'm glad that you're going to also bring your your mind and your heart and your voice into this space too. The world needs it. Thanks, man. Well, it's all connected. And uh, I guess I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'm going to hit the stop record button before I say goodbye to you because I, I, I want to say goodbye away from the <laughs> so away been, from prying ears. This has been the first episode of Conversations with My Teachers. Thank you to Andy Cahill signing off for now. Thank you so much for listening to episode one of Conversations with My Teachers. As of now, this podcast will be available to patrons at my Patreon page patreon.com slash Todd Marston. Thank you for your support. If you enjoyed this conversation and want to hear more, episode two will be out soon, and I'll be interviewing my friend Chantal Phillips, who is a Reiki master teacher and healer all the way on the other side of the globe in Hong Kong. This will be a fun one, so I hope you can check it out. Until next time, I wish you a good life filled with a sense of connection and purpose.